Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Story. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My family used to always go camping one weekend a month. Usually, this was with a group to a pretty established campground and it would be hard to find time to yourself so seclusion was not really possible. However, one time we were on a road trip and stopped in Kentucky at a campground for the night, a planned stop, my dad had found the campground in a directory of such things, pre-internet. An old woman was working the office and there was a girl raking leaves outside that I couldn't take my eyes off of. The girl was smoking hot, 
In her mid to late teens, I was probably in fifth or sixth grade, just old enough to notice. The lady took the money, told us which spot was ours and we were on our way. Other than the old lady and girl, there was no one. No more employees, no other campers. We made a fire and sat around with a pretty cool mountain view and lots of stars and noticed there were no lights anywhere in the campground. We had arrived at dusk and were set up before it was actually dark. My dad went to sleep and my siblings were playing cards inside the camper, so I stayed outside to watch the fire burn down. That's when the hot girl showed up and sat down near the fire and asked how things were going. Well, very well now is what I was thinking while making small talk with a smoking hot mountain girl. She even asked that I wanted to play a game with her up at the office. Of course I did, but just then my older sister opened the camper door and asked who I was talking to. The girl was gone. I told her I was talking to the girl from the office and she was really confused. I guess she hadn't seen the girl, but she did not pass up the opportunity to tease me about it and inform the other siblings their little brother liked girls now. Even the next day when we were leaving and stopped by the office, she wouldn't drop it and told the old lady I had a crush on the girl from the night before. Lady got spooked, asked me what the girl looked like, red hair in a braid, yogi bear t-shirt with the neck in a deep V, black chucks with the stars pulled off, jorts, etc., I still remember. This woman proceeds to tell me, which is weird, my whole family is there and she's talking only to the 11 to 12 year old, that I'm describing her sister who died on a part of a trail near the campground, fell off the mountain, in 1968. Then she asks if she tried to get me to follow her. She always tries to get me to follow her, but I know where she's leading me, those boys though, they always fall. My dad is just standing their mouth open and my mom, who believes she lived a previous life, is eating this up with a spoon. On the way out, we pass the girl, different shirt, same tits walking over from a shed with a rake. She waved I did the head nod as cool as I could and tripped on a root. You know how adrenaline can trick you into falling in love? I still think about that girl and her, in retrospect, totally awesome mom, grandma, boss. I honestly don't know how to explain what had happened to me. I believe I saw some sort of Native American entity. I was working as a ranger for the city of Austin, Texas. I just had one left of our reserve campsites when a very strange thing occurred. This was about 10.30 at night. I was driving my four-wheel drive pickup truck on a dirt road that led back to the entrance of the park. The area is a wooded hillside spanning 200 acres and contains a very large number of wildlife. So, being nighttime and how many animals are nocturnal, I was watching up for signs of their movement on either side of me. It was quiet, and I was the only one around. I had been following the road closely when I got this strong sensation. The road, everything around it, dense woods. I looked up just as a deer ran out in front of my truck directly in my path. It was something like 40 yards ahead of me when I saw it. I reacted immediately by pulling onto the shoulder, slamming my brakes. The deer now was only about 10 feet away from my truck when I swerved, and it vanished as soon as it went out of sight. The feeling that it told me to look up subsided. Everything went back to normal.
There were no other cars on the road, of course, being just mine. I sat in place, trying to click my bearings. My heart was beating fast, and I had a headache, and I couldn't explain these feelings. What on earth? So, something brought my attention to the hillside right where the deer had come from, and that's when I saw movement about 50 yards into the brush. It wasn't clear. I got out of my truck to inspect and walked up to the spot where I thought I had seen the movement through the tree line. The woods were pretty thick, but about 20 feet into them, there was a small opening in trees with lower branches and ones that were not as wide or tall. They almost kind of formed a natural corridor that, maybe, I'd say 50 yards opened up to the hillside before becoming obscured by the other trees and foliage. The ground sloped slightly upward, many leaves. I called out with my flashlight, thinking, why would there be somebody out here? It didn't make any sense. Thinking maybe I was just seeing things or it might be another deer. There was no answer, and that was it. I assumed it was just my own paranoia. I didn't hear anything move past me, so I decided to inspect further because why not? Calling out loudly, I knew, at least I'm pretty sure, I saw movement. And again, there should be no reason at all why anybody should be this far out here late at night. The movement I saw was more like a person, not a deer. At least I'm sure of it. So, I kind of very shortly walked up the hillside, never hearing a sound. I decided finally that, okay, enough is enough. I'm gonna leave and head back to my truck. As soon as I got in, I realized there was something wrong, something strange, and paranormal if you will. As soon as I got back in my truck is when I saw it coming out of the woods ahead of me, slightly up from where the deer emerged. It is what I can only unmistakably describe as an apparition. It was this glowing, translucent being, but unmistakably a spirit. It shimmered, seeming to be faint but nearly transparent. It came closer to my truck and appeared as if it were getting bigger but also darker and more solid at the same time. It was this light grayish color and then would grow darker in color, kind of pulsating. It just walked right past the front of my truck with no fear or concern about my presence whatsoever. It just walked by like nothing was there, with some kind of purposeful stride without having so much as even a look of curiosity. And then, right there in my view, it just vanished, fading into obscurity. Not wasting a second, I flew my vehicle out of there and my only mission in that moment was to go, go. Before this, I thought ghosts were a joke. I had never been a believer in the paranormal or what many refer to as the spirit realm. But after this, that changed. My mind, and I'll never forget what I saw. But it wasn't until the following morning when I really kind of fully mentally processed what I saw. Surprisingly, because I didn't sleep that much, but a thought occurred to me, and I realized what it really happened. What I saw looked like a stereotypical image of a native, long hair down to its shoulders, feathers, a headdress. Actually, my professional theory is that somebody, a Native American, has gone through this road many times before in their lifetime, and they're simply showing me something that happened here at some point along the way. Maybe they stumbled upon these woods at night, and for whatever reason, they were killed on the spot by first contact European settlers who probably had no qualms about killing anybody different than them, 
including women and children. I do not believe this entity or spirit to have been malicious. It didn't come off as that. It was just something that happened to them in their lifetime. This spirit was merely doing whatever some non-physical thing does when in the process of trying to relive what happened. It's a possibility that this spot is where these people might have been killed or injured in an altercation. Maybe they were stuck between this world and the next. I don't know. Maybe they've seen my truck hundreds of times out here late at night over the years, and now I'm able to pick up on whatever it happens to come through here. Who knows? Anyway, that's my experience with the paranormal. Hopefully, it will be my last. I usually walk on a trail near my house on Massachusetts South Shore between Boston and Cape Cod. I don't know if this particular place has a name. I usually feel safe, even as a woman hiking alone. I grew up in this area so it's not like it's the city or anything. A few months ago on a weekday late afternoon, I was walking along the trail. First, it just started sprinkling but then it came pouring down with thunder and lightning too. I was more afraid of the lightning than anything. It was too far to run back to where I was parked so there were a lot of giant rocks in this area. I saw this rock overhang off to the right of the trail up on a hill. It was hollowed out behind it, a small cave or something. I was not about to go into a cave but I thought I could at least stand under the overhang and not get wet. So I'm standing there waiting for the rain to slow. I just had a feeling like something was watching me because the hair on the back of my neck raised up. I felt compelled to turn around and look behind me into the darkness. At first, I didn't see anything. There are no bears or wolves in this area. If something was living in that cave it was probably a small animal. At least that's what I told myself. But when I was staring into the darkness I saw the shadows shift. I knew something was in there. It didn't look like it could be very big, though at the time I couldn't really see much. The rain was still coming down in sheets and the sky had gotten really dark. I stood watching the lightning strikes and few of them were really close. But between the loud thunderclaps, I heard it. There was a nasty sound, like a wet sound of something eating and lip-smacking. I turned back around to look in there but I couldn't see what it was. Then the smell hit me. I guess the wind changed. It smelled rancid, like a dead raccoon on the side of the road. It made me gag. I turned back to the woods to see if there might be another overhang a short distance away. It was obvious that there was some kind of animal eating another dead animal in that cave and I just wanted to put some distance between me and it. I took another couple of steps away from the cave and now I was getting wet from the rain. I didn't see any other place to go. Then, all at once, I heard a sound behind me, like rocks clattering. I turned around to look. The shadow of the thing inside was rising and I realized all at once that this creature was not small like I had thought. It had been crouched down and now it was standing. It must have been about six feet tall standing up on its hind legs and it totally took me by surprise. I froze for a second when I realized it was like something out of a nightmare. It had a face like a dog with a snout, only it was like a man, a big man covered in fur. I could see dog ears on its head too. I screamed and stumbled. I almost fell down the hill and that's when it growled just like a dog about to attack. 
I really thought I was going to die. I'm getting goosebumps just remembering it. I took off running. I felt like my life was in danger. Thank God it didn't follow me. Of course, no one believed me. But then I looked it up on the internet and I saw people posting about this thing. They were calling it a dog man. New York state is known for some pretty crazy things, from alligators in basements to criminals hiding behind trees. But I've had some pretty strange run-ins myself. I'll be telling you about my most interesting encounter yet, about a year ago while on duty at a local town overnight for training. Myself and another officer were dispatched to a local residence for a report of an elderly woman gone missing while hiking with her dog on her own property. She was sitting on roughly 80 acres of land and couldn't have gone far. The person reporting was her son. He said she hadn't been there since later that afternoon when she set out with the dog towards the edge of the property, near the swamp area by their house. It would have been odd to just send two officers on such a call, but due to our small force size, we were using one car on solo nights to provide better coverage across town. Upon arriving on scene, we met with the son, who led us down to where his mother was last seen. He told us he found her phone by their mailbox, which appeared that she had talked to her son for a little while, but after setting out, had mentioned something about going towards the swamp as there were some wildflowers that had bloomed this time of year. This is why we had been dispatched as well. It also seemed like a good spot for bears, so we had to evaluate all the potential dangers. However, Knowing how well populated our area was, not everybody always carried bear spray, but we did, so we could cover more ground efficiently and ensure safety if we came across any potentially dangerous wildlife. We walked for about 30 minutes, following the path around to where I thought she may have gone towards. However, after walking for a little while longer, nothing turned up. We then decided to double back and try walking along another path that branched off from the one we were on to see if that would turn up any evidence that she had been here. While walking down this other path, at first, it seemed like there was nothing out of the ordinary, but again, no sign of her dog or any tracks leading to the brush either finishing or somewhere else. This is when I began getting nervous because between myself and my partner, we could not find her or find any traces of her. Something must have happened to her since she left home earlier in the afternoon. As we kept going further, we began hearing odd noises in the distance. While I felt that we were safe at first, we both came to a sudden stop. These sounds were like nothing I've heard before, at least not on this side of the country. But it did not sound like any animal or person I could identify. Did you hear that? My partner had said to me as he looked towards the source of the howl. At this point, my heart was racing out of fear and curiosity, wanting more than anything for this night to end and for us to get back safely. I told him yes as my hands began to tremble slightly, for both nervousness and adrenaline. The hair on my arms were standing and raising, and I felt goosebumps beginning to form. We then slowly began moving towards where the howl had come from both myself and my partner keeping our flashlights out just in case whatever made the noise was anything dangerous. We walked for another minute or so until we got closer and closer, still no sign of any dog tracks or even footprints, 
nothing leading up to this noise or away from it. My heart began pounding out of my chest when we came within about 30 feet of the origin of the sound, which had stopped by now after hearing us get closer. And then suddenly, without warning, an odd orb-like light appeared not too far above our heads, making us feel instantly nauseous. What is that? I remember saying as I raised my flashlight to see what it was. But then, just as quickly as it appeared, it vanished. My partner and myself both looked towards where the light disappeared, and then, we heard a rustle from behind us, not too far away from where we were standing. Up until now, he whispered that we needed to get out of here. This wasn't right, but his voice quivered, which was strange and caught my attention. This was a partner who was always very calm, no matter how scary or dangerous the situation was. We had been working together for years. However, this time, he sounded scared, almost as if something else was out there, other than us. We began walking back towards where we came from for a while, while I kept my light out in front of me just to make sure nothing was going to jump out. All the while, we had been hearing strange sounds that sometimes sounded like a human, but not fully, at least not having the cadence of a person. It was more animalistic. He would ask me again if I heard that, and I told him yes. He was getting more and more scared, even though his exterior was seemingly calm. We slowly started walking back towards where we came from, where the sounds became louder and louder. This made it difficult to continue without completely freaking out on one another. Then, out of nowhere, the one sound that instantly made me stop in my tracks was the sound of some kind of human cry from not too far away. He whispered, shh, to me as he looked at me with his eyes almost piercing right through mine. While I couldn't tell what it was, something compelled me to move forward so we could see what was making these strange sounds around us, which led us here in the first place. Wait, no, come back. We shouldn't be going up this far, he explained to me. But even though he seemed very insistent about us going back the way we came from, I couldn't bring myself to stay quiet and just go while we could still hear all these strange noises where we were. So, while he was busy whispering to me about how we should leave, I began walking towards where it sounded like this noise was coming from, which only made him try and stop me even more. We both proceeded to go deeper into the woods, but the sound of whatever we had heard was now gone, and it was silence. In fact, the night itself was now silent. The crickets, all night life, had gone completely dead. But the inside of my mind was going crazy, trying to figure out what was going on. What were those strange cries and noises? What were the bright lights that appeared overhead? But here's one of the strange parts. At some point, him and I lost each other, which I don't know how it's even possible because we were walking within 5 to 10 feet of one another. I hear him whispering into his radio, trying to contact me, but our radio communication was very fizzy, and somehow we had gotten separated. Joe, come in. Joe, are you out there? He kept saying over and over again, as I could hear what he was saying as if he was standing right next to me, even though we couldn't see each other at all. And as we're struggling in this disarray of a mess, this extremely bright white light shines from the sky, as if an asteroid had exploded up in the atmosphere lighting up the entire night sky, enveloping me, and I assume my partner, in this white consuming light. 
And the next thing you know, we're back at the front of the property, and it's morning time with the sun rising. The mom is sitting on her front porch with her dog, drinking coffee. She sees us and is immediately surprised. My partner and I are kind of looking at each other, freaking out, trying to mentally comprehend everything that has just happened. Feeling ourselves in our own heads and bodies, making sure we're not dead or dreaming. What just happened? I remember asking when the lady comes over to us and begins asking questions like, where did you guys come from? Why are you here? We began asking her questions in return. Her name, was she aware that she was missing? She seemed to have no knowledge of her ever missing. And when checking the date and time, it had been about 14 hours since the previous evening. My partner and I can both vouch for this happening. I'll spare you all the new details, but long story short, after we had gotten separated by this very thick darkness, we were both enveloped in white light and somehow pushed through about 14 hours of time, ending up at the front of the property. At the time of this happening to us, it was roughly 8.36 PM at night, and we were no more than three-fourths of a mile away from the house. The woman who had been reported missing also showed no signs of ever being hurt or any recollection that she was ever missing in the first place. We did not report this, as we have no logical way to explain anything that happened to us. I was on my way walking to the Dollar General store one early night in October 2016. I live west of Philadelphia in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. When I got ready to cross the street to where I was going I noticed that there was a large black car, possibly an older Crown Victoria, parked on the side of the Dollar General store. The car had its interior lights on. As I walked closer, I could see someone in the driver's seat. The person had long black hair and hat on sunglasses, so I couldn't see the person's eyes. As I looked closer, I could see that the person's face was really white, like milk white. It appeared that the person was just looking straight ahead and wasn't looking around. The person was moving a little bit so it wasn't fake. I saw no mouth, no nose, and no facial hair. The face was just smooth white. I couldn't tell if they had ears because of their long black hair and shades. They were just parked and sitting there with the car interior light on as if they wanted to be seen for some reason. It's just weird how it just so happened to be at night when not many people were out as if it was planned that way. I was scared and creeped out. When I came out of the Dollar General, I went home by walking all the way around the block to not pass that person. I'm saying person. It's more like being. It was scary and creepy. I first thought I was seeing things. I know I'm not the only person who has seen that. I never told anyone because I felt that people would think I was nuts. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but could this have been a so-called men in black? The entire scenario just didn't make any sense. One night I returned to my parents' house. I was still in my late teens, sober. On the side of the road I noticed a man close to my mailbox wearing all white. At first I thought it was a jogging suit. Then as I got closer it seemed like he was dressed like Colonel Sanders. At the time, I lived on a dirt road with very few neighbors and thought it very odd to see somebody in white on a muddy road at about 9.30 at night. 
I kind of chuckled to myself, how odd, but I never even really made direct eye contact or got a great look at the guy. He appeared to be trying to back off the road to not get muddy when I drove by. My driveway was about 150 feet long, through the woods, and I had just parked when I decided I should turn around and drive back down there and see if the gentleman needed help. I was thinking that it was very odd for somebody to be all in white on this muddy road and maybe this guy needed help. Of course by the time I drove back to the end of the driveway, he was gone. I drove by my neighbor's house but it didn't look like anybody was home and there's no way he could have made it any further than that. To this day, I don't know what or who that was. I solo sail a lot, I learned to sail when I was little, and have done three transatlantic cruises so far. This one time I was doing a transatlantic crossing from the Canaries to St. Lucia, it was late and I was on deck doing an equipment check as per routine when sailing alone. So I am 6 days into the 14 day journey and it's just nothingness all around, I mean absolutely no light save for the stars and the moon. I can literally remember this like it was yesterday because I have never seen anything like it before. I was on deck and all of a sudden, it was bright. Like midday full sun bright. Mind you, it was near 2am at this point, so it made literally no sense. Immediately I assumed it had to be a flare, someone needed help. I came to a full stop, lowered the sails and began radioing on all the emergency channels in Spanish and English. I did this for almost two hours, circling around and checking the radio, there was nothing. Around the second hour I gave up, I marked the location of my search pattern and kept going. I had no idea what it was, never saw anything like it again. The whole night lit up like the sun was out for a good 3-4 seconds. Unbelievable. Last year my brother was driving through the dark roads of South Shore, Massachusetts near the Bridgewater Triangle. It was dark and there's limited street lights in the area. As he was driving he noticed a cloaked figure standing on the tree line at the side of the road. He described it as wearing white robes, and looking almost like a clansman but without the pointy hat. As he drove by the figure took notice and pivoted towards him very quickly, making direct eye contact. He became frightened enough that he sped away. I often wonder what he might have seen that night. Most of the town is very dense forest and the roads are unwalkable with no shoulders, so whatever it was likely came out of the woods. It unsettles me knowing the amount of acreage it came out of and whatever this person, if it was a person, was doing on the side of the road watching cars. In July 2018 I was staying in a very isolated region with limited access behind three log gates 20 miles south of Whitethorn, California on a primitive 4x4 road. This place is at the end of the road, a lost world of primeval forest on the northern border of a vast green belt spreading from Shelter Cove on the lost coast east to Highway 101 and south to Fort Bragg, California. At about 3 a.m. I was awakened. It was a hot, dark, and completely silent July night in these mountains. Something above my tent location, approximately 2 to 300 meters, began knocking on wood. 
It's best described as loud whacks by a big club or branch on a tree trunk. They started one knock which got my attention. There was a brief hesitation then several more knocks, but randomly timed. The knocking was loud, so loud that it echoed down the canyon in the stillness. The event lasted only a minute or two. My first thoughts were that there was no one on the mountain who could be out here in the middle of a primitive and protective area. These knocks were from something large and no North American animal could have made them. Listening intently while my mind tried to wrap around how the noise was made. I began to wonder about Bigfoot legends. The night fell silent again. Afterward, I told a few locals and learned that there had been many Bigfoot sightings near Piercy and north of Willow Creek. Fast forward to two weeks ago while waiting at the first locked gate to the same conservation area I heard two distinct vocalizations which cannot be explained. As I waited in the dusk for about 45 minutes waiting to meet a party at the gate who was running late. I heard a very loud wail, scream or call that I'd never heard before in nature. The sound was coming from the heavily wooded area above me about 2 to 300 meters. I instantly knew where I had heard such an unfamiliar call about three years previous. There's a few second delay from the first call, then a few more, then silence for about a minute leading me to wonder if this whole experience was surreal. It thought that it was an unknown animal or some kind of implausible prank. It was loud and echoing down the mountain as though some huge creature could belt with the lungs of Pavarotti, only much louder. The chance of it being a prankster in this wilderness was highly unlikely. Then began another call out at about 3 to 400 meters to the north. It was also just as loud but came only three calls in succession. It had a distinct higher pitch, this absolutely blew my mind because the first call might be attributed to an elk on steroids but the response brought chills down my spine. I'll never forget that second vocalization as it was so unique and this was obviously communication between two individuals in possibly a rudimentary language. Another experience happened just the night before the dual vocalizations on a Friday evening in early November 2019. I had just moved into a cabin that my brother and I rented located along an extremely rugged canyon area of the Matol River. It was dusk, quite dark already in the forest. I was outside looking at the stars, taking in the newness of these rugged surroundings. Suddenly, there was a screaming that was so loud and so foreboding that I could only listen in amazement. It was the loudest screaming I've ever heard. I thought it was produced by some kind of banshee from a horror film. The screaming continued at full throttle for over 5 minutes. I know mountain lions can scream but nothing like this. It sounded much louder, more guttural, literally as if someone had set up loudspeakers and played the bloodiest scream that Hollywood could produce. I wondered if someone was up on the mountainside pranking me as a newcomer to the neighborhood. I listened for a bit then went inside and told my brother about it because it was so unnerving. Bigfoot did not ever enter my mind. But then at dusk, the very next evening, I heard two calls while waiting at the gate. I've since been over and over in my mind why have I been so lucky to hear and experience these mysterious sounds, much less three distinct vocalizations which cannot be explained in a 24-hour period. I've been to a lot of different wilderness areas during my life, but those sounds in that specific location were simply remarkable.
My brother and I had embarked on a hunting expedition in the vast and untamed wilderness of Alaska. Our sights were set on the elk that roamed these lands, with rifles slung over our shoulders and determination burning in our hearts, we ventured into the dense thicket, relentlessly searching for any signs of our quarry. Hours turned into days as we scoured the nearby woods, our anticipation mounting with each passing moment. Yet, despite our tireless efforts, the prey seemed to elude us, leaving us with naught but the echoes of our own footsteps. Undeterred, we made camp under the starlit sky, our tents providing a temporary refuge amidst the wilderness. The crackling fire cast dancing shadows upon the trees, painting the night with an ethereal glow. As the flames flickered and danced, we contemplated our next move, determined to leave no stone unturned in our pursuit of the prey. It was then that we stumbled upon something unexpected, a small village hidden away in an uncharted part of the woods. Intrigued and driven by curiosity, we ventured towards its center, guided by an inexplicable force that urged us forward. As we drew closer, a pack of wolves emerged from the surrounding wilderness, their piercing eyes fixated upon us. Yet, as quickly as they appeared, they vanished into the undergrowth, leaving us with a sense of foreboding. Our footsteps carried us through the village, its eerie stillness permeating the air. We soon beheld a sight that sent a chill down our spines, a massive pile of bones, skulls, and remnants of a forgotten past. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It was a macabre collection a silent testament to the tragedy that had unfolded here many years ago. We surmised that over 50 souls had met their untimely demise in the frigid embrace of these unforgiving woods, perhaps a century ago. As we explored further, our eyes fell upon claw marks etched upon the walls of the decaying houses, a haunting reminder of the unknown terror that had descended upon this ill-fated village. Our minds raced with speculation, piecing together fragments of a forgotten tale. 
What sinister force could have unleashed such devastation upon this place? I've been searching for answers to this for years, but never found anything like it or that could explain. Basically I just moved into a new house in a suburban-ish area in northern UK, a few months after we were settled we invited a friend round for some drinks. At somewhere around 1am, 2am a very loud sound could be heard throughout the house. The closest thing I can compare it to is microphone feedback. It was very high pitched and almost hurt to hear. Except, it was more of a defined note than feedback. It started off quietly and was drawn out in the distance, but it sounded like it got progressively closer and louder each time it rung. I say rung because it was like it faded in and out a few times, almost like a long tone. The whole thing lasted only about 20 seconds. Safe to say we were all absolutely freaked out afterwards and had to confirm to each other that we had actually heard it the same. We all brushed it off as too much to drink and some weird electric noise somewhere. Because it was so out of the blue, freaky, and over so quickly nobody thought to record it. A few months later my fiancé and I were in bed, he was asleep by this point and I was trying to get to sleep, that's when I heard it again. This time it wasn't as loud, almost as if it didn't come as close, but it sounded as if it was traveling. I woke my fiancé up as I was freaked out again, but he was too sleepy to acknowledge anything at this point. The final time it happened was when I was in bed again, this time it woke me up. I didn't bother to wake my fiancé this time as it seemed much quieter this time. Neither of the times when in bed did I have time to record it as I'd have to cross the room to my phone to do so. Any ideas what this could be? We've put it down to some kind of electrical sound. It only seems to happen at night or in the early hours of the morning. The first time we heard it confirms that I am not the only one who can hear it. I live on an ordinary street with an office building nearby and a few small shops a street away. The area just outside of here is quite rural. I have also heard about these sky trumpets, however the sounds I have heard are nothing like any of these. No Google search has yielded any results, either. It was just so loud and odd. It's driving me crazy, I just love to have an explanation or even someone who might have experienced something similar. I paddled about 240 miles up a river in Canada a few years back. It gets to a point where you end up being completely alone in the wild with no civilization to be found anywhere. So we had a couple of interesting encounters. Both of the ones that really stick out happened at night. One of the first nights we're out there, I'm sleeping in my tent, comfy as can be. All of a sudden I feel a big snout poking my head through the tent and sniffing. I didn't know what it was, and that it dawned on me. A black bear got curious and decided to sniff around the campsite and he ended up sniffing my face for like 3 minutes. I didn't want to move because I didn't want to startle him. So I was just lying there as this bear sticks his nose in my face and starts huffing. I swear I almost shit myself. The second encounter had the potential to be scary, but I was too busy stifling laughter to really feel fear. One of the last nights we were out there, we decided to set up camp on a little beach. It seemed like a good spot, but after we set up camp, 
I'm walking around and I notice some moose tracks in the sand. We had set up camp on a little moose watering hole. No big deal. I'm sleeping in my tent and I hear heavy footprints outside. Sick, a moose. Cool beans. I slowly open my tent zipper, as quiet as possible so I wouldn't scare the thing. I'm super excited to see my first moose, except I didn't see the moose. At least not the whole thing. All I saw was this bull's giant dick dangling down maybe three feet in front of my face. I recently moved into a new home. Since moving here I've felt my entire bed vibrating, low frequency, moderate amplitude, nothing like a phone vibration, more like driving 5 miles per hour over rumble strips on a highway but silent, three times now. My partner was over one night and woke me up to ask why the bed was vibrating because they felt it, I did too at that point, and I was just like, I don't know, maybe the train that is about a mile away was just the right mass and speed to induce a resonance in the hill my home is on? But that's all I can come up with. Hasn't happened in a couple of months but I keep waiting for it to happen so I can run outside to see if I can hear the train and confirm the hypothesis. I have checked seismograph records online and came up with nothing. The frequency and amplitude of the vibrations don't seem to correspond to anything so the train thing is all I've got. The floor isn't vibrating when this is occurring making it even more strange. There are no major roads and no construction for miles. No underground drainage here either since I'm in the county. I have an IKEA bed frame with the drawers under it and no, there are no vibrating toys in them. Only clothing. Any ideas? This began a few years ago when I took up regular walking for my health. Not many people in my city walk so usually I am the only one walking for miles all around. Yet I would regularly cross paths with someone else walking in a different direction at intersections, for example with me walking east or west and them walking north or south. No one else around, and yet sometimes we would both have to slightly change our direction or pace to avoid bumping into each other. Other times it would happen so we would pass within a few feet of each other. The first few times this happened it was quite unnerving. It seemed so bizarre. I would cross the road and look around. Not another soul in sight, except people in cars. But there was nothing creepy about it. They were all just normal people, strangers, doing their own thing, perhaps on their way to work, or shopping, some just taking their dog for a stroll, sometimes it would be a couple of friends. I wouldn't notice them again either, it would always be someone different next time. Yet this coincidental crossing of paths just kept happening, several times a week, sometimes as frequently as twice in a single day. It puzzled me since it seemed the chances of two crossing paths on an otherwise deserted city grid was fairly low. It wasn't just walking along the sidewalks either. It could happen in relatively deserted parks. It became something I expected now. For example I would be walking on a diagonal path across a sports field, I would look around, and sure enough there would often be someone far off in the distance walking on a perfect course to intercept me at nearly right angle to my courses. Oh right, there they are, I would say to myself. 
I just began to accept it as this weird thing that kept happening for no particular reason. Any insights or ideas into why this happens? This is an account of an incident that happened in 1974 when I was 15 years old living in the city of Puebla, Mexico with my family. On this day my younger sister, Janet, she was 14, her best friend, Shay, also an American living in Puebla, and I were gathering in the afternoon so we could take a bus together to the city of Cholula to make clay for art class. While Janet and I were walking around the block to pick up Shay at her house, we saw an American man appearing to be in his mid to late thirties, walking in the opposite direction of us, on the other side of the street. He was carrying a large duffel bag over his shoulder. Janet and I started speaking loudly in English, hoping we would get his attention, but to no avail. When we arrived at Shay's house, we insisted that she hurry for the possibility of catching up with that guy. By the time she was finally ready we were sure we would have missed him but instead, he was in the same place where we saw him last. We already told Shay about this guy and after seeing him now, and walking in the same direction, we all spoke up loudly in English, hoping again to get his attention. This time it worked. From across the street, he yelled to us, do you speak English? He crossed the street to the side we were on and told us he was looking for a specific address, taking out a piece of paper where the address was written and showing it to us. We did not recognize the street name, it was a long Aztec name beginning with the letter T since we were on Tehuacan Street, he thought the street we were on was the same street, but it was not. We decided to walk him to the house number on Tehuacan Street that he had on his paper. While walking to that address each of us would think different things, especially lots of questions, and he would look at each of us and answer our thoughts out loud. He was reading our minds. For instance, I thought to myself, I wonder what his name is, and he would look at me, and reply, Richard, Janet said she was wondering where he was from, and he turned to Janet and just said, Santa Barbara, California. Of course, I didn't know why he looked at Janet and said that, but I was catching on quickly to understand that he read our minds, as none of us said a word and he just answered our thought questions while facing the person who had the thought. At one point he looked directly at Shay and said that she shouldn't worry about Jamie, Shay's boyfriend, and that he, Jamie wouldn't be jealous. Later Shay said she was worried about what Jamie might think about the situation of joining this attractive guy. We arrived at the house that had that number he had on his paper, it was in the direction of where we were going to catch the bus to Cholula. Because he did not know any Spanish, we spoke with the maid who answered the door at that house. The maid said that this was not the house he was looking for, and the people who lived there were not the people Richard was looking for, and she closed the door. Richard continued addressing our thoughts, and after the door closed, I said out loud, Hey, we probably have a map at our house, it was an apartment, and could find the address from there. As you might have gathered by now, we, Shay, Janet, and I, abandoned the journey to Cholula to make clay. Everyone agreed that this was a good idea, so we turned back and walked to our apartment. Once there, Richard, Shay, and Janet were joined at the dining room table by my sister, Louise, the eldest of us three. Our maid, Anna, met Richard, 
as did my mother, and Anna and later my mother, pulled me aside and chased me for bringing a stranger to our home. When my mother confronted me, I replied that she wasn't living her Christian values if she thought it was all right to put a person out who needed help. I sometimes was a sassy kid. It turned out we didn't have a map at our home, so I ran around the apartment building asking neighbors if they had one. No one did. I went to the ground floor beauty shop and asked the ladies in there, and no one had one, nor had they heard of the street. One beautician suggested we take a bus, and before getting on, ask the bus driver if they knew of the street, because, she said, bus drivers know the city and her streets best. All the time I was running around, Richard, both my sisters, Louise and Janet, Shay, and my mother were sitting around the round dining room table. I would stop by periodically to give them updates. During one of these updates, I noticed that Richard had poured out a bunch of salt from the salt shaker, and in front of him, he had formed a pyramid, complete with four flat sides, and a pointed top. I remember looking at that and thinking it was odd but was more focused on trying to find a map for Richard. Later Anna commented to me that he was rude to make such a mess on the table with the salt. Since no one in the building had a map, we took the advice of going to a bus stop and asking a bus driver about the address. We went to the bus stop that was around the corner, on the street where Shay lived and where we first found Richard. That bus stop was across the street from a park that normally was crowded with people but was totally empty when we got there. Richard, Shay, Janet, and I waited at that corner for the buses. Buses in a Mexican city are plentiful, and they would come by about every five minutes or so. When the buses arrived and stopped, I took the written address and asked the bus driver if they knew the street. Five buses went by in all. A couple of the bus drivers replied that if the spelling and the name were changed, they might know the street, while all the others said there was no such street. I had thought that I would continue with Richard to his destination, as I have said before, he was attractive. In a little bit, you will see why this is significant. After the fifth bus left, we stood there quietly. Shay, Janet, and I were facing Richard in the empty park behind him, while Richard was facing the opposite way, with his back to the park. His duffel bag was on the ground next to him. We were all silent, and then suddenly, poof. In a split second, a large, old-time taxi-looking bomb of a car appeared right before our eyes. No engine sound, facing the wrong direction on a one-way street, and just behind Richard. We, Shay, Janet, and I, were totally flabbergasted. Breathless. In total shock. The car appeared old, with a splotchy green paint job, light green, with faded areas here and there. Directly after it appeared a man who looked and sounded exactly like Alfred Hitchcock, seated in the driver's seat, and having his elbow out the open window resting his arm there, said, Young man, are you looking for T Street? He said the exact name of the street that no one had heard of before. His voice was totally Alfred Hitchcock's voice, too. Immediately Richard picked up his duffel bag, turned around, and said, Yes, I am. At that, Alfred Hitchcock closed his hands together, as in prayer, then opened them with a map opening between his hands. He said to Richard, this is where we are, and this is where we're going, pointing out the places on the map. 
Richard was leaning towards Alfred Hitchcock and getting this information and they continued talking to each other. Shay leaned against the car to catch her breath as we were also blown away by the car and Alfred Hitchcock's appearance. Janet sharply told Shay to stop leaning on the car, because if it disappeared like it appeared, she would be flat on her back in the street. Shay stopped leaning. At about that point, Richard picked up his duffel bag, walked around the front of the car, threw his duffel bag in the car, and right before he got in the passenger seat, looked at me and asked, don't you want to come? I said an emphatic, no. He said okay, got in the seat, and then the car, with no engine motor sounds, turned the corner towards Shay's house, and while it was turning Alfred Hitchcock said loudly to us, have a nice trip, see you in the funny papers. I had never before had heard the expression of, see you in the funny papers. As soon as the car straightened onto the street, the car, with Alfred Hitchcock and Richard in it, disappeared immediately, as quickly as it had first shown up. We, Shay, Janet, and I, were so freaked out that we all started running towards our home in a frantic state, but at one point we all stopped, gathered together, kind of hugging each other and feeling like deer in headlights. When we were together like that, we heard all around us, especially above us, Alfred Hitchcock's voice laughing and laughing. After a minute or two of that low, sinister laugh, it stopped, and we felt released, and ran on. For the past, almost, 50 years I have kept my eyes open to anything that might explain the incident. Janet and I have told the story through the years, we have not been in touch with Shay, so I don't know if she has spoken of it since we all left Mexico. I've asked many people what they thought, and only once when I went to a seance that a friend had organized, did the medium tell me it was an alien abduction when I explained the experience to her after she did a reading of the group. That never felt right to me, but I don't know. In 2008 I ran across a Reuters article on the torture of sleep deprivation that shamed our country in Gitmo with terrorist prisoners. I was teaching Introduction to Psychology and a course called The Psychology of Dreams at our nearby university, so I read much about sleep, dreams, and the effect sleep deprivation has on the psyche. The article was about the sleep deprivation of Bin Laden's driver, Salim Hamdan. The article described how Hamdan was tortured by being deprived of sleep for 50 days. I read on and was blown away when I read two paragraphs in that article that stood out for me. The first read, they also said the records indicated Hamdan and other prisoners at the remote detention camp in southeastern Cuba were visited by someone called Alfred Hitchcock, apparently over the British master of psychological thriller films who died in 1980. Later in the article under the heading, who was Alfred Hitchcock? It read, defense lawyers said they were curious about the meaning of entries in the documents that Alfred Hitchcock had visited Hamdan and other prisoners. Who Alfred Hitchcock is, I have no idea, said Navy Lieutenant Commander Brian Miser, a defense lawyer, it's obviously a code name for something. I have not found any further strange information about Alfred Hitchcock, but the incident that happened to us happened in 1974, and Alfred Hitchcock was alive at that time. I don't think I ever thought it was the real Alfred Hitchcock, nor a ghost of one, but a duplicate in some strange way. This entire incident was experienced by my sister, Janet, her friend, Shay, and me, 
while several other witnesses were a part of the experience at certain points. My older sister, Louise, my mother, and our maid, Anna, met Richard and witnessed some of his strange behaviors, reading minds and making a pyramid out of salt. I would just like to know if anyone out there has any idea what it may have been about. I had most of my out-of-science experiences there in Puebla, and I have always wondered if it is a place where magical types of things happen. Even when I go back to visit my older sister, nephew, and his family, I have strange things happen, so I don't think it was a thing of youth, but rather of place. That is interesting to me. I am a licensed professional counselor, LPCS, and educator in Texas, with three master's degrees. My sister, Janet, is a veterinarian and a paramedic here in Texas, and my sister, Louise, has a PhD and teaches at a university in Mexico. I think we could be considered credible. My name is Ataraxia and I'm in high school. Last year, I went through a bad episode of depression. I'm doing much better currently, and I was scrolling on TikTok and found a video of a girl who claimed she shifted into another reality in her sleep. At that point in my life, going to another reality even just for a few hours a day sounded great to me. Out of curiosity, I looked up tutorials and other info on YouTube and it soon became an obsession. For about 8 whole months, I dedicated my free time to learning how to shift. The shifting I am talking about is not the kind where people say they went to an anime or Hogwarts or whatever, my desired reality, as they call it, was just a normal world where some of my problems did not exist. Since there are infinite realities that are similar to ours, I hope to reach one with those qualifications. On February 8, 2023, I decided to try shifting. I wrote down the date of when I went to sleep and the details of my desired reality. I tried my best to hold my vision of me waking up in that desired reality for as long as I could but I fell asleep and had a dream of my previous day at school, I don't think the dream had to do with anything just adding it. I woke up disappointed and grabbed my phone to turn off my alarm and I saw that my wallpaper was different. I thought it was weird but I thought maybe I changed it accidentally somehow because the new wallpaper was an old one I had not too long again. Then things started to get strange as I got ready for school. Things were very slightly different. The pink pot on my desk no longer had the Kirby face I painted on it. My shoes were in a different cubby than I placed them in. I go to a private school so I place my school shoes in a top cubby so that they are easier to reach. I no longer had a paper cut on my thumb, my blazer was wrinkled and in the laundry even though I washed it and ironed it on Monday, which would be February 6th, my jewelry dish was gone and instead my earrings were just on my nightstand. Those are just a few of the differences I can remember right now. I instantly thought about the shifting thing I tried last night and assumed the worst which is I am in another reality. I continued on with my day and I found out that no. My problems were not gone so this was not my desired reality. School was different too. The road lines were much more worn out than usual on the way, someone who I didn't know personally waved at me at school, I hit my hip really hard on a bench that I have never seen while turning my usual corner pretty fast to get to bio class, our school banner in the courtyard was different, my assigned seat for religion class was different, my apps on my laptop were arranged differently. 
A character I had recently gotten in a gacha game was no longer on my account and the currency count was different. Game was Honkai Impact 3rd and the character missing was Hersher of Truth, and a bunch of other small changes that I don't distinctly remember. All I could think about all day was the fact that I was somewhere different and I was not home. I have never been one to be overly stressed and have panic attacks but the stress was overwhelming and crushing. My head and eyes were hurting by the time I got home. When I got home, I went to bed and tried to shift back. I wrote on a piece of paper home over and over again and put it under my pillow, shifting method, and set it in my head and imagined myself waking up at home again. I fell asleep and woke up. I started crying from relief when I saw my Kirby pot with a face again. The experience felt surreal to me, almost like a really vivid dream and I was very willing to peg it off as one. That's when I checked the date on my phone. It was Friday February 10th. This meant I spent a day somewhere else. My friend that I didn't recall being with much yesterday, as I spent my two breaks in the bathroom panicking, at school even asked me if I was alright and that she was worried about me last night since I had been acting different and was very stressed out yesterday, she knows that I am struggling with depression. I said it was nothing and that I was perfectly fine. Does this mean that I switched conciousnesses with another me? And if that was the case, did we both try to shift that same night or was it just me? Did I shift? Was this a dream? Was it something else? Either way, I took this as a sign to never try shifting ever again. I just came here today, about 20 minutes ago and have seen two videos about the sounds. One I do believe is faked, in all honesty. One sounds like a concert in the distance. But. This isn't really about the recent happenings. What I want to know is if anyone else has ever experienced this sound before. And if so, how old are you now or how old were you then, when you first heard it? I've read only certain people can hear it, I think above age 25, or actually 40 and above, myself, I'm early 30s. And I have heard the sound at least twice in my life. The first time was about 12 years ago. I saw something really effing scary on someone one time. It looked like a weird smile. And because he was a friend who I trusted, I felt some super deep sense of betrayal. Like. He was betraying all humans because he wasn't one. Like a demon. Yeah, I know. Crazy. But when I saw him smile that way, I heard such a sharp sound. Sounded like a trumpet, but like it was a string instrument that someone slid their fingers across really quickly and aggressively, then abruptly stopped. I used to hear this swing set all the time. For years. But when I looked for it, I couldn't find it. Then I never heard it again. And the area where I heard it, the people all still live there. No swing set. And about a year or year and a half ago, at a different apt building, I heard this loud rumbling. Didn't sound like a trumpet or anything. Just sounded like. I don't know. Deep underground construction. But there was none. And it had come in waves each day I heard it. It'd last like 40 minutes, and there'd be like 7 or so waves. It'd crescendo, then descends in a slow-ass way, then it'd come back. Because of that, I googled the hum and looked up some vids about it. 
One vid tried to debunk it by saying it sounds like dry ice on a sheet of steel. Which does. But it's super loud, just a low bass rumble. And one dude said it's 18 wheelers slamming on their brakes. Where I live, no big trucks would really come through like that. Maybe like three a day. I can hear the traffic from where I live, I rarely heard big trucks come through, at least not slamming on the brakes, after I watched that video, for about a week, I'd hear like at least 15 a day. Then after that week, it all stopped. No more big tricks slamming the brakes. And I noticed it then and there, and have paid attention to it since. Rarely do they slam on their brakes. And 15 trucks doing that every day for a week is very noticeable. Strange. And another thing I want to mention is how my smaller city didn't have too many police chases. But in the last three months, I hear them like at least three or four times a week. And a neighbor is a cop and I asked if those are actually police chases and not just cops rushing to a crime scene, and he confirmed there's police chases happening. And I've lived in this building, for a second time now, for at least two years, and some odd months. And another thing I want to mention is locusts. They've been appearing every year for about two months at a time right before hurricane season. For about six years? Maybe seven. Again, I will mention that though I do believe in a supreme being, I'm not religious. I was raised Christian, sure, but I'm not a religious person. Not anymore. And the reason I say this is because I've noticed the religious concepts in this I'm writing right now. Anywho, what do y'all think? Have y'all noticed this stuff? And what do you think of it? Just a coincidence and I'm being superstitious? A few years ago, I was lying in my bed, drifting in and out of sleep. My eyes were closed, and my mind was on the verge of entering dreamland when I suddenly heard a strange noise coming from my doorway. It was a peculiar sound like a faint whisper or a soft hum. Curiosity got the better of me, and I slowly opened my eyes, allowing them to adjust to the darkness of my room. And what I saw sent a shiver down my spine. There, right in front of me, was a six-foot spherical light, surrounded by a mysterious gray mist. It hovered in the air, emanating an otherworldly glow. I watched in awe and disbelief as the ethereal light moved slowly from my doorway towards my window. It seemed to glide effortlessly, almost as if it were dancing through the air. My heart raced, and I couldn't tear my eyes away from the mesmerizing sight. Then, without warning, the luminous sphere faded right through the solid bedroom wall. It vanished into thin air, leaving behind a lingering sense of wonder and uncertainty. I was left in complete awe, struggling to comprehend what I had just witnessed. The next day, my little brother approached me, excitement and curiosity etched across his face. He asked if I had seen something strange in our shared experience. It turned out that he, too, had witnessed the same enigmatic phenomenon. He described how he saw it materialize in his room, passing through the very same wall that I had observed it fade next to. Our minds were filled with questions and a shared sense of wonder. What was that strange spherical light? Where did it come from, and where did it go? We couldn't find any logical explanation to make sense of it all. That extraordinary encounter stayed with us, 
becoming a cherished memory that bound us together. It was an unexplainable event that sparked our imaginations and instilled a deep curiosity about the mysteries of the universe. To this day, we still recount that night when the spherical light, shrouded in gray mist, captivated our senses. It serves as a reminder that there are realms beyond our understanding, hidden just beyond the confines of our ordinary lives. And perhaps, one day, we will uncover the secrets behind that ethereal visitor and the magical journey it took through our bedroom walls. Around 4 p.m. yesterday, I was in my bathroom when I heard something fall to the floor above me. I kind of shrugged it off at the time. Fast forward to about 2 a.m., I was in my living room. My grandma was sleeping on the couch, and my uncle was sleeping in his room. Suddenly, right above me, I heard loud, heavy footsteps walking across the attic. My cat heard it too because she bolted up the cat tree and looked directly up at the ceiling in the same spot. So, I know I'm not crazy. I'm scared to death. I haven't slept yet, and my family is telling me not to call the police. My uncle is going to check when he gets home from work. I don't know if it's an alien, ghost, or an actual human up there. I just don't see how anyone could have gotten up there considering it's inaccessible. My uncle is trying to shrug it off as a bird or squirrels, but no way would a squirrel walk or sound like that. Update, my uncle and I went up there, and there were no signs of anything ever being up there. The part of the house where I heard the heavy footsteps is sealed off from the rest of the attic. There is absolutely no access to it. So, this definitely turned a lot more paranormal. <laughs> 